0: It's one
1: o'clock. I'm out as well. The headlines. Police say they have identified an officer who may be involved in the shooting of an Indonesian journalist. The government criticizes a post by a group of civil servants over the policing of the New Year Day march. And a top Iran commander is killed in a US airstrike. Police have told the High Court they've identified an officer who fired a rubber bullet on the day when an Indonesian journalist was hit in the eye by a projectile while covering protests in September, Damon Pang reports. The revelation was made at
2: a hearing where journalist Verbi Inda was asking the court to order police to name the officer concerned. Police say initial investigations identify one officer. But the force's lawyer was reluctant to reveal the name in court because she didn't want to establish a causal relationship between the officer firing the bullet and the journalist getting hurt. Judge Russell Coleman said he wasn't concerned with whether the officer bore civil or criminal liability as he was only dealing with revealing the officer's identity. He set a hearing for the 17th of February and said he expected to make a ruling on that day. Ms. Inda says she's grateful the judge realizes the urgency of her case.
0: The Department of Justice try to pursue a longer time limit, but if we agree with that, it means I will lose my constitutional right to be able to do any private prosecution against the officer who shot me in India. So I'm very happy that the judge understands the urgency of my case and set an earlier time limit in 17 February. I hope justice will prevail in Hong Kong.
2: The journalist has to file a private prosecution by late March, six months after the incident.
1: Pro-establishment legislator and barrister Priscilla Leung is calling for extra resources to better protect judges who have to deal with protest-related cases. On New Year's Day, one judge was denounced and had her name spray-painted on the wall of the High Court. Ms Leung says extra security or bodyguards should be assigned to judges and court buildings. They want to destroy the rule of law and we cannot allow them to happen. That's why we need to offer extra personal security and protection to all the judges who might need to adjudicate and handle the cases in relation to
2: this riot.
1: The government says a social media post by a civil service staff union that criticised police for cutting short the New Year's Day pro-democracy march is totally unacceptable. The government expressed deep concern and regret over the remarks made by the union for new civil servants, stressing that public servants shouldn't criticise government policy or enforcement operations by individual departments. It said it would investigate if there had been any violation of the civil service code. Police said they cut short the march because it had been hijacked by rioters on the protest route. Education Secretary Kevin Young says school principals could be fired if they do not cooperate with this Bureau's investiga- investigation over complaints against teachers. Mr Young says schools must provide a reason if they do not look into such complaints.
2: What we are asking is asking the principal, who is the head of the school, to carry out a thorough investigation on the complaint and let, let us have the report. This is, of course, one of the duties of the principal, is to manage his or her team. And that includes ensuring that his or her team is professionally compatible.
1: The minister said two government school teachers have been transferred to work in the Education Bureau as they are under investigation. A lawyer says police seem to have changed tactics in dealing with anti-government protests. Daniel Wong has been volunteering his services to arrested protesters since June. He says the mass arrests on New Year's Day in Causeway Bay for illegal assembly and the freezing of Spark Alliance funds, which were used to help arrested protesters, will have a big deterrent effect.
2: That will make... The protesters are more difficult to continue their activity since there are mass arrest in the past several days. Many people have been arrested. Definitely that will create a very big deterrent effect to those protesters.
1: The Pentagon says the commander of the elite Quds Force of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, Qasem Soleimani, has been killed in a U.S. airstrike on Baghdad airport in Iraq. The statement said the general was actively developing plans to attack Americans in Iraq and throughout the region. He said this strike was aimed at deterring for future Iranian attacks. President Trump also tweeted a large U.S. flag. Here's the BBC's Alissa Urchin. Tensions have been at boiling point in Iraq even before this latest attack. An Iranian backed Iraqi militia blamed the strike on the United States. It said a car carrying Qasim Soleimani and one of its own leaders was targeted, but Washington has not yet confirmed its involvement. U.S. officials told Reuters news agency that American forces had hit two high-profile targets. The strike came hours after the U.S. Defense Secretary said Washington might have to carry out preemptive action to protect American lives in the Middle East. The Australian Navy is beginning the evacuation of more than 800 people from Malacuta in Victoria, a town almost encircled by wildfires. It's part of the authorities' attempts to get as many people as possible to safety before a forecast rise in temperatures. The spokeswoman for the New South Wales Rural Fire Service, Angela Burford, explained why they were evacuating.
0: So our Premier here in New South Wales has declared a state of emergency, that's the third that has been declared this fire season already uh, and essentially that gives the, the authority to our Rural Fire Service Commissioner Shane Fitzsimmons to be able to make certain calls where required for the safety of the public, whether that be forceful evacuations. So it, it is indicative of, of the seriousness of the conditions that are forecast this weekend.
1: Taiwan has grounded its fleet of Black Hawk helicopters after a crash killed the island's top military officer and eight other people. The official Central News Agency said all 52 choppers of the model have ceased flight operations while they are inspected for any problems with their structural software, radar and other systems. Memorial services were being held for those killed and all three candidates in the presidential election next week suspended their campaigns to observe a period of mourning. The fugitive businessman Carlos Gomes says he alone arranged for his unauthorized departure from Japan in order to travel to Lebanon via Turkey. Japan has issued an international arrest warrant for the former boss of Nissan Renault, who was awaiting trial on financial misconduct charges. Here's the BBC's Lena Sinja. Carlos Ghosn is a man in demand. He remains out of sight, but in his first public comment since his flight from Japan, he has sought to squash speculation that his family helped him leave the country. Such reports, he said, were false. Just days after the initial reports of his dramatic escape from Japan, where he was under strict surveillance, more details have emerged of how he reached Beirut and who may have helped him. His flight has led to multiple investigations, the latest in Turkey, where the authorities say he stopped briefly en route to the Lebanese capital. The Trump administration has announced it'll ban a number of popular e cigarettes flavors, including fruit and mint, to curb rising teenage use of viping products. But menthol and tobacco flavors and large refillable viping devices will be exempt. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration said companies that don't stop selling the banned products within 30 days of the announcement will face punishment. Its director for the food and tobacco products is Mitch Zeller.
2: On the one hand, we need to take steps to protect kids from these epidemic level
1: uses of e-cigarettes. On the other hand, we have to balance that with still providing some access to e-cigarettes for adults. Julian Castro, who served as a cabinet member in the Obama administration, has suspended his campaign for this year's Democratic presidential nomination. Mr Castro made the announcement on Twitter and thanked his supporters. The 45-year-old former mayor of San Antonio in Texas was the only Latino in the race and had proposed relaxing U.S. immigration laws. The White House says President Trump has warned his Turkish counterpart Recep Tayyip Erdogan that foreign interference is complicating the situation in Libya. It comes after Turkey's parliament-approved a bill allowing the deployment of military forces to intervene in Libya's civil war. The move is designed to support the UN-backed government in Tripoli against the warlord Kahale Fafta, whose forces have been trying to capture the capital. Here's the BBC's J Turkey, Egypt, Russia and the UAE have been clandestinely involved in Libya's conflict over the years, with each siding with Libya's rival armed groups and governments. The latest vote in Ankara, which Turkey says is to safeguard its economic and regional interests there, came during an emergency session of parliament called by President Erdogan, following a deal signed with Tripoli's government to strengthen military, security and maritime cooperation. The size and scope of Turkey's future military involvement is not entirely clear. Greece, Israel and Cyprus have signed a deal to build an undersea pipeline to carry natural gas from the Mediterranean into Europe. The Ismet pipeline will cost up to 7 billion US dollars and is expected to be completed by 2025. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the deal benefited all those involved.
2: What we're doing now is upgrading our partnership to higher levels to supply energy to Europe uh, and to uh, intensify our own um, our own common interests.
1: Turkey has criticised the planned pipeline, saying it is unnecessary because of an existing one that runs through its territory. Financial and business news. Oil prices have soared more than 4% following claims that the U.S. had killed a top Iranian general. Brent crude surged more than 4% to $69.16 a barrel, the highest since September. Local blue chips reversed early gains and traded lower a short time ago. The Hang Seng Index was at 28500 that's 42 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $61 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.16 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 11 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 22 cents. And now to sports, here's
2: Adam Chung Liverpool have made a successful start to the new year and gone 12 months without defeat in the English Premier League. They brushed aside Sheffield United 2-0 to re-establish their 13-point advantage. The BBC's John Murray has more from Anfield. So it's a winning start to 2020 for the Premier League leaders, they restore their 13-point lead at the top of the table over Leicester, still got a game in hand remember, and it was a bit of a stroll in all honesty, an early opening goal for Liverpool in the fourth minute after Bulldog's stumble let in Robertson down the left-hand side, the centre for Mo Salah to finish smartly on the edge of the six-yard box, and the second goal coming just past the hour after a lovely ball to release Mane into the Sheffield United half from Andy Robertson. Mane took it on, found Salah on the edge of the area. Salah's return pass through the middle for the on-running Mane was blocked initially by Dean Henderson, but the ball ran free and Mane was able to plant it into the roof of the net from just a couple of yards out. Australia's top tennis players are raising money to support those affected by the widespread bushfires in the country. The Canberra ATP tournament became the latest sporting event to be relocated due to poor air quality from the burning. The BBC's Joe Parsons reports. Tennis officials have
0: decided to relocate next week's ATP event in Canberra to Bendigo in Victoria because of the toxic smoke from the bushfires in the Australian capital. Meanwhile, the Australian player Nick Kyrgios has pledged to donate 140 US dollars for every ace he hits between now and the conclusion of this month's Australian Open in Melbourne to help victims of the bushfires.
2: His fellow Australians Alex de Minaur and John Millman have made similar pledges. Tennis Australia has also announced that fundraisers will be held at the inaugural ATP Cup, which begins today in Sydney, Brisbane and Perth, and at the Australian Open, which starts on the 20th of this month. The Australia captain Leighton Hewitt welcomes the move.
0: Yeah, you know, it's been a pretty tough time for a lot of you know, the major states of our country, and you know, especially this time of the year when everything you know, leading into Christmas and the New Year should be a happy time for these families and a lot of these people are uh, doing it pretty tough out there. So I think all of us feel you know, like we'd like to help in some way. Um, you know, tennis and especially Tennis Australia I think in the past have always made an effort to, to try and put things together and you know, we've got a massive platform, you know, it's probably the biggest sporting event in Australia, the Australian Open coming up in a week's time, a couple of weeks time so if they can organize something quick enough uh, i'm sure they'll try and do absolutely everything they can
2: novak djokovic is one of the big names in action on day one of the atp cup the seven-time australian open champion will lead serbia into their opening match against south africa and that's your look at sports that's the sports report
1: by Adam Chung. To end the news, the top stories once again. Police say they have identified an officer who may be involved in the shooting of an Indonesian journalist in September. The government criticizes a post by a group of civil servants over the policing of the New Year's Day march. And a top Iran commander is killed in a US airstrike. And that's the news from RTHK.
2: Slash what I slash That's
0: Welcome to the 123 Show. I'm Sadi Osmani. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And following on from the show yesterday, where I talked about the keto diet and intermittent fasting, my guest in the studio just after 1.30 will be Lynn Rabsaman. And by date, she's a chartered financial analyst out of the boardroom. She's, the, she's a keen Thai boxer, pianist, ballerina, An ardent supporter of intermittent fasting. Now, do you feel a little bit of competition here? Do you feel a little bit of pressure? Well, don't worry about it, right, because we're going to be diving into the world of dieting to see what works and what doesn't from a personal point of view. And, of course, it's Friday, so I continue my travels in search of the holiday hotspots on the Silk Road. Joining me live on the line from Tashkent after 2.30 will be Kostolbek Orosboyov, otherwise known as Beck from step journeys it's a family travel agency in uzbekistan and he's going to give me the lowdown on what to see and experience in this increasingly popular tourist destination
2: so now what else can you ask for on a friday afternoon